We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everyone, Tyler here. When you're Chinese like me, you don't have a lot to work with, if you know what I mean. Like the game of football, every inch matters. That's why I use the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 to trim my Darren Sproles. It's a great tool to clear up all your AstroTurf. Maybe you can trim it down to look like a field goal post. That way, if Michael Badgley ever tries to kick you, he'll miss every time. Use the code GUILTY at checkout on manscaped.com to receive 20% off your next order. Enjoy the ride. Hey guys, welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. As always, I am your host. Happy to be here. Happy to talk about the Chargers' upcoming matchup with the Las Vegas Raiders today. Joining me as always are my guys, Alex and Tyler. Alex, I know you wanted to pop off today about Derek Carr. So uh, how are you doing? And pop it off, man. I'm doing pretty good. This fucking guy has the nerve, you know, hasn't ever won a fucking playoff game. Never, may never win a playoff game, frankly, because he's a complete fraud. This Sid from Toy Story looking motherfucker gets up stage and starts talking about this. He looks like the worst employee at a rural Walmart. Like, that's what Derek Carr embodies. And I'm sick of him. If it was Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes can talk that shit. He's won a Super Bowl. I even respect Teddy Bridgewater enough, but the aesthetic of Derek Carr saying that, I hope Joey Bosa sacks him 10 fucking times. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Well freaking done. Well said. Uh, Tyler, how are you doing today, man? Well, I'm the one who actually has to sit in that fan attendance where the Raiders <laughs> are going to take over. So yeah. uh, unfortunately, it is very true. And so I'm, look, I'm going to go have fun with my dad. Uh, when the Chargers win, it'll be a lot of fun. There's nothing like, being outnumbered by fans, but then watching all of them go complete, completely silent by the end of the first quarter because the Chargers have that lead. Uh, so I can't wait for that moment. But the first hour or so, it's going to be a little rough. <laughs> yeah, the first hour or so, like showing up at the freaking game. Like mm -hmm. this is a game that I feel like people are going to be glad that it's on Monday, right? Because then you don't have to deal with like the, you know, hours and hours of tailgating and stuff like that. I don't know. Maybe people still tailgate for hours and hours on end on a Monday night game, but I think it probably is a little bit less. So, um, but yeah, it, it is like Derek Carr is a piece of shit for saying that. And like, he hasn't earned that. Right. 
but at the same time, like he's not lying. Like it's oh it's, no, he's he's completely right. <laughs> I, I just don't respect him enough to be right. Yes, wrong person to deliver the message, but the message is sound. Unfortunately, um, you know, if we can get, I don't think it's going to happen. But if we can get a similar turnout again that we had against the Cowboys, and it's close to 50-50, then I'll be happy. If you have tickets to the game, fantastic. If you don't have tickets to the game, we have a way for you to do that. So if you check out our sponsor, TickPick, you can go and and use our code and you can get a $10, uh, $10 discount on your first purchase using the code GUILTY. Again, that's TickPick. You get a $10 discount on your first purchase. That being said, uh, let's dive right into this matchup. Actually, I lied. Let's dive first into the Chargers rookie class. This is my I'm all over the I'm all over the place today. Work was crazy today. I'm doing fine. It's whatever. Totally good. Um, ESPN did a r- rookie ranking <laughs> the day after Amazon Prime or whatever did a rookie Jeez. ranking, which was freaking oh. hilarious. But ESPN rightfully has Rashawn Slater as the best rookie in the league right now. If you missed my uh, my offensive line breakdown, please go check that out because Rashawn Slater is clamping down defensive ends. And yes, the competition this week was not exactly great, but Rashawn Slater is playing out of his mind and in my opinion is very deserving of that number one ranking. You look at the way that he is playing and the position that he is playing, you know, it merits that kind of topic. To me, he's far and away number one. You can have a different discussion for number two. I think they had Micah Parsons at number two. I think Jamar Chase has an argument there. I think Patrick Sertan has an argument there. Um, I feel like I'm missing somebody else. But uh, to me, Rashawn Slater is far and away the best rookie in the league right now. And it's just so amazing to watch. Like we have waited years and years and years for a franchise left tackle. And they have one. And I have full confidence in him for the rest of the season. I have full confidence in him in this matchup. And it just is is so amazing to watch. Again, if you missed my breakdown, please go check it out. Because if you think I'm raving about him now, I rave about him for like 15 minutes in my breakdown. So go, go, <laughs> please go watch. Yeah, I'm going to actually start with the defensive guys. Because I feel like Steven has gotten you covered with two hours of Sean Slater <laughs> content in the last three weeks. So, um, you know, Asante Samuel Jr. actually prior to today, after Sunday's game, jumped up from plus 3,400 to win defensive player of the year to plus 1,200. Uh, I think he is the fifth or sixth best odds right now around there with Sertan, Parsons, uh, Jason Owe is up there. Uh, oh, Dave Owe, sorry. Um, you know, and Jeremiah Wosu-Kermoa, who is uh, up there as well, who's been balling out for Cleveland. So um, it's just a really great defensive rookie class. Um, maybe I didn't kind of expect all of these guys yeah. that were sort of these bona fide first, second round picks to be popping off this early, but they definitely are. Um, so, yeah, I mean, credit to Asante Samuel Jr. for winning rookie of the month, uh, which is, you know, a huge boost to his chances to potentially win defensive rookie of the year. Um, obviously, he won the the Pepsi belt again, which is very fun yeah. uh, in terms of beating Jamar Chase. <laughs> So, you know, the Bengals and Chargers fans got into it on Twitter and that was fun. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, you know, and people were talking about like, hey, you know, if Josh Palmer got a few more touches, like maybe he'd be in here, right? Like, So they really kind of drafted like three or four studs out of this class. It's looking like potentially more based on, you know, the more that we see the other guys might be a member of that draft class coming on their show tomorrow. 
But uh, other than that, uh, it's been a you know fun couple weeks with this rookie class for sure. They've been outstanding. I was so happy to see Slater at number one. I yeah. didn't. If you had asked me to guess who ESPN would put at number one, definitely not a tackle. <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed the offensive tackle for the Chargers. But I mean, whoever put that list together, props to you because you, I think, made the right call. And you know, again, there is some argument, like you said, Parsons or, or um, Chase for number two. I can tell you that Mac Jones does not deserve to be on that list. No. With, what two touchdowns and three interceptions? I mean, you could put Trey McKitty on there. I think he's more deserving at this point than <laughs> Mac Jones. Not really, but it's really cool to see. Um, and Asante Samuel Jr. making it. First of all, shout out to all the fans who voted. At some point, Jamar Chase was ahead, and Bengals fans were making that big push. And then a couple of you guys, some of you, I don't know if you're just nerdy or whatever. You just refresh, vote, refresh, vote, refresh, vote. And suddenly he was up by 7%, and he just rode that into the sunset. Yeah. And he ended up winning his second belt in a row. At some point, he's going to have like a stretched body because of all the belts that go around his body. And he's just like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, but good for you guys for voting for him. It's awesome to see him get the recognition, obviously on a fan level, but also on the national level. And, you know, as much as, okay, I think personally, if you just look at the numbers, technically Samuel Jr. has not been better than, say, uh, Newsom or Stokes or, or at least probably Horn if he had kept playing. Um, maybe even debatable that Sertan has been better. But, the name recognition, the defense he's playing with, the interceptions that he has, the games that the Chargers are winning, he's he's standing out right now. And so I yeah. think he has a legitimate shot at defensive rookie of the year because of all the things that we thought he would be recognized for. But now also the plays coming in. He has those splash plays. Really interesting bet. I'm really curious to see how this plays out moving forward. They do have some big games versus some big opponents, and that'll really cement Samuel Jr. and Slater as as the best rookies in this class. Yeah, I, you know, to his argument for defensive rookie of the year, like as long as he is producing and as long as the Chargers are winning, mm -hmm. I think he definitely has that chance because like if you look at, you know, the Cleveland Browns, like people like smart football fans talk about Greg Newsom, right? But sure. they're not mentoring they're not mentioning him with like the fourth or fifth or sixth missed, you know, defensive player. They're talking about Miles Garrett, talking about Denzel Ward, talking about mm -hmm. John Johnson. Like people are talking about Asante Samuel Jr. is like the third or fourth best defensive player on the Chargers. And so I think he is getting, you know, that kind of recognition. And I think it's been fun, like following other fans on Twitter, because everybody wishes that they their team would have drafted Asante Samuel Jr. <laughs> and all of them <laughs> wish that they would, have, they would have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, Brad Spielberger, who uh, Arjun interviewed, mm -hmm. uh, put out the other day a tweet that said, like, people are talking, still talking about you know, the Lions and the Bengals and how the Panay Sewell and Jamar Chase thing, but it's like the Miami Dolphins traded out of the top 10 to get, you know, more picks. And then they traded back up and they took a receiver. Their offensive line is the worst in the league. Like it's yeah. awful. Like they could have used mm -hmm. Rashawn Slater. And I think everybody, you know, in the top 10 could have used Rashawn Slater. So mm -hmm. that's been fun just on social media, looking at fans of other teams be like, man, I wish we had Rashawn. I wish we had Asante. And they played awesome, man. And, and obviously, yeah. we hope that they will continue it. And I have faith that they will. Yeah. All righty. Let's, uh, let's jump into this week four preview. Uh, obviously, a big game on Monday Night Football. Um, Tyler's going to be there. So if you uh, want to go say hi to him, go chat it up. Um, let's start with the biggest storylines that we are kind of focusing on this game. Um, storylines that could have a big impact in the result. Uh, Tyler, I'll let you start this one off. What's the biggest storyline that you're paying attention to this weekend? 
Gotta go boring, but I have to continue with my storyline from last week of pulling away from first rounders and getting snaps in service of a better defense. I, we kind of thought that that was possible last week, but Murray and Tranquil played pretty similar snap counts. And I'd imagine, you know, with Tranquil looking just a level better and a little quicker right now, that his snaps go up, you know, on that on the blitz that he had, Tranquil sort of maybe initially lost that rep to Joe Tooney, but he showed really sh- tremendous strength. He's able yeah. to disengage when, you know, Mahomes drifted to the left and he was able to pick up that half sack with Bosa. You know, he needs to be playing more. And I understand wanting to get, you know, Murray reps so he can develop because the NFL is, is newer to him. But I just don't know if you can wait at the expense of sitting a mentally faster player right now. And yeah. with, seems like Jacobs is coming back and Barber showed out last week. Drake is whatever. I guess they're not playing him because he sucks and I'm third down. <laughs> but they have a really good rotation. And I don't know if you can just sit there and go, well, okay, Murray, see if you can figure it out this game. I really think they yeah. have to find a way to get it tranquil on the field. So that's a big storyline for me going into this game. Yeah, they've got to find a way to make things easier for Murray somehow. And, you know, everybody is is saying that, like, oh, they need to put Murray on the edge. Like, they need to let him rush the passer more. And, like, you know, that will free up reps for Tranquil and Kaiser White. And while I do want to see him blitz more often, I, I think we need to be careful with talking about Kenneth Murray on the edge because, to me, there's a big difference in can occasionally rush the passer and can mm-hmm. physically hold up on the edge because right now – Murray's biggest problem to me is that he is not shedding blockers at all. And his feet get stuck in the mud. He waits to absorb the blocker as opposed to being aggressive. And if you do that on the edge, that's even worse. Like you have to be able to physically impose your will and set the edge at the Mm -hmm. outside linebacker slash defensive end spot. And he's just, I don't think he's able to do that. And sure. You could put him out there, give him, you know, five to 10 pass rushing snaps a game. But then you're also taking away reps from Kyler Fackrell. You're taking reps away from Chris Rumpf, who I thought showed some good things last week. And so that, to me, is just not really something I'm interested in. Use it more as a blitzer, sure. But I'm not interested in in looking at Kenneth Murray after three games and going, all right, let's experiment with him on the edge. Like, that's just <laughs> – that's not what I'm into this week or mm-hmm. ever, really. Yeah, thanks to Micah Parsons for having yeah. a good game against Storm Norton and then convincing everybody that that can happen every week for every linebacker if you just put them on the edge. So that's yeah. that's a really great thing going forward for the league. Um, my big storyline heading into this one is the shifting on the interior defensive line. Obviously, we heard Eric Banks was cut today. Um, yeah. Just hadn't been playing well enough. Could not hold up against the run. Not really effective as a pass rusher either. Um, and so, you know, I think Staley took a chance on one of his guys from the Rams and just didn't pan out, but you know, on the good side, you do have Justin Jones coming back finally, uh, which will help the run defense. And so I'm really curious to see how they play this Raiders team. Um, maybe we'll talk a little bit about Josh Jacobs later and, and what his status for this game is, but I think that whatever the Raiders put out there, they saw the tape, you know, what the chiefs did, what the Cowboys did against this run defense in particular, Um, even what Washington did with Antonio Gibson. And, you know, they're looking with, you know, they're going to try to feast on it. Um, And so I think this is a big week for the run defense, whichever combination it is. Maybe they'll bring up, uh, you know, Fajoko or Merrill. We'll see on that. But this is the kind of week where I feel like they need to have uh, a pretty emphatic performance against the run to be able to beat this Raiders team. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting matchup to watch because, I mean, all the statistics point to the Raiders not having a very efficient 
rushing attack. I know Brandon Staley talked about today that he really respects the three runners. Alex talked about Kenyon Drake, uh, who for whatever reason is like the most expensive backup running back in the world. Um, so it is going to be interesting. I think the Raiders, if I remember correctly, uh, I think they're like 28th in rushing DVOA right now. So mm. theoretically, like this could be a get right game for the Chargers run defense. But at the same time, like if, we see the same issues and if Kenneth Murray is you know stuck in the mud again then it's going to be another long day and you know this isn't Clyde Edwards Alaire and the and the pass happy chiefs like the raiders legitimately want to run the ball like they're they're ta- they're throwing the ball a ton right now but mm-hmm. John Gruden in his, in his press conference yesterday was like I want to run the ball more like I, I need to establish the run like I want to have balance and you know he he is not as old school as he used to be but he wants this team to be pretty close to like a 50-50 split and so it can kind of go both ways. Like it could be a get right game for the Chargers run defense. It could also be a get right game for the Raiders run running offense, which is going to be interesting to watch. Hopefully. And I know people really want Tavon Campbell. I'm sure he'll get brought up in a second. You know, Tavon Campbell looked good last week, but I really yeah. think that if you have Chris Harris Jr. out there, that does help you out your run defense just a little bit more. Obviously it won't help you get blown off the line of scrimmage, but I think it'll kind of help cap some of those bigger runs. So hopefully he's out there too. Yeah, that's absolutely a good call. Um, all right. So I, I think the biggest storyline for me that I'll be focusing on, um, I'm, I'm trying not to be, you know, like boring, but to me, it's how you see offensive line. Yeah, it has to be. <laughs> <laughs> I've had it. Um, because the, the Raiders defensive line right now, like Max Crosby leads the league in pressures with mm-hmm. 25. Granted, he had 13 against the Baltimore Ravens. So that's, you know, essentially like a a quarterback throwing like 400 yards in one game and like 250 in the next two. So it's a little skewed, right? And Yannick Ngakwe has, I think, 16. So he's in the top 10 in the league right now as well. They're the only duo in the league in the top 10 in pressures. Like everybody else Mm. in the top 10 is, you know, know, one player from one team. You know, Joey Bosa's in there. Miles Garrett's in there, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so, I, I like I said earlier, I have full confidence in Rashawn Slater locking up one of those two pass rushers. It's probably going to be Ngakwe. Max mm-hmm. Crosby, you know, has kind of shifted sides to rush mostly from uh, the right tackle spot. And so, you know, it, it's just going to be a, a different kind of matchup because Storm Norton, like he's had the speed rushing Mac- Micah Parsons. He's had the bull rushing uh, Chris Jones, who I thought he played really well against. And then this week, Crosby's kind of a little bit of both. Like he doesn't really have a whole lot of counters. He's not a pass rusher that has a big plan of attack. Like he's either going to win with effort or he's going to try and bull rush you. So it's, it's an interesting spot for storm Norton. And I think in general, in this game, like to me, it, it almost comes down to like, which right tackle sucks more than the other. Um, <laughs> and so storm Norton to me, like if we get the storm Norton from last week and from the first game, then I think the Chargers could cruise to a win. But if we get, you know, even close to the Storm Norton from the second week, then the Chargers are probably going to be in a, in a little bit more of a dogfight. So, um, mm-hmm. again, I, I don't really think that Norton's week two performance is the normal. I don't think any of us really do. But if Crosby gets rolling and he gets, you know, a, a few pressures, he gets a sack on Justin Herbert, then I think that puts the Chargers in more of a dogfight than we would like to see them be in. Yeah, I feel like every game, you know, at well, as long as the kind of current 
four of the rest other than Norton stay healthy, that being Abushi, Lindsley, Slater, and Filer. If those guys stay healthy, then pretty much every offensive line, defensive line matchup kind of comes down to can Storm Norton hold up, right? Like, um, right. I don't think he was necessarily great last week, but, you know, he held up, held under five pressures. He was right? fine. Yeah. yeah, he was fine, right? And that's really what you need from Storm Norton more than anything. If he's fine and you can help him out a little bit, then, you know, I think that the Chargers can definitely win this game and contain both Crosby and Ngakwe potentially. But uh, Crosby, you know, with how he is playing right now, definitely does scare me. Um, just going into this game and in a primetime game, you know, last time he was on Monday Night Football, he was pretty good. I think yeah. there are probably going to be more Raiders fans in the building, unfortunately. And so that's something that, you know, a sack here or there or, you know, really big hit turnover can really turn things, uh, I think, ugly potentially in this game. So uh, I think Norton is kind of the biggest obstacle on the offensive line. Um, now, you know, like if we get the Norton we saw from last week, I think that's great. You know, if we get the Norton we saw against Dallas, then, you know, uh, I would almost go as far as to predict a Chargers loss. But again, I think that is to say that, you know, allowing nine pressures was so out of the ordinary for him, even compared to what his, you know, averages have been for his career. So um, I definitely think the offensive line, as much as I dread talking about it, uh, is uh, <laughs> is definitely a key to this game. Well, I'm going to make us talk about it a little bit more. So, Stephen, out of curiosity, what, did Norton do something just better this week that he wasn't doing the week prior? Did the Chargers just help him out a certain way? What made him go from nine pressures allowed to, what, two, I think? It was two, yeah. Um, so the Chargers did help him more. I think they learned their lesson. Uh, Gabe Neighbors had a couple really nice chip blocks, and mm. one of them he actually leaked right out, caught a pass for a first down. So they did that a little bit more. They max protected, I think, um, like four or five times, which was more than they did against Dallas. So they definitely learned their lesson in that they have to help him a little bit more. Um, but Norton, like, he still handled his business, and there was one particular, like, max protect situation where Trey Pipkins actually lined up next to him. And essentially it was, it was like double team, like go get Chris Jones and mm, Norton yeah, actually took an aggressive jump set and Pipkins never touched him because Norton was just, he was on him. And so Norton played well, like Alex said, I'm not saying that he was like a world beating tackle. Like he was, he was fine mm. and that's what you need out of him. So it was a little bit of, he was better. The matchup was more friendly as crazy as that is to say when you're talking about Chris Jones <laughs> um, and the Chargers did help him. So it was a bit of everything, um, but I think that kind of lends a little more confidence this week. You know, if you're getting three or four chips from game neighbors, you're getting three or four max protect situations, getting three or four bootlegs. Like I think all of that uh, helps Storm Norton gain some confidence against a pass rusher like Max Crosby, which is still so weird to talk about him <laughs> in this fashion. I would imagine it also helps that you're playing a defense that isn't going to blitz. So generally, like the yeah. running back knows who he's going to help block. You know, the tight ends can help block one guy. You just set protections one way. And that's kind of it, right? Does that make things pretty easy for Norton? Yeah. The whole absolutely. offensive line, really? Like, that's the thing that people, you know, don't really want to talk about. Like, there was no film on Micah Parsons. There was, you know, mm -hmm. very limited film. Or there was no film on Micah Parsons as a pass rusher. And sure. the Dallas Cowboys, like, to me, you know, I, I studied the Tampa Bay game a little bit, but to me, they completely changed their style of defense because they lost uh, Randy Gregory for a game. They lost to Marcus Lawrence for potentially the season. 
And so they did more stunts. They did more blitzing. And when you're an offensive lineman who doesn't really have a plan Mm. and you're outmatched athletically, which is basically the case every single week, like it's a disaster out there. And it, it just snowballed for Norton. So this week he had a better plan. He had a better matchup. And this week against the Raiders, I think, you know, I think the plan will be relatively the same as it was this week in terms of what they're going to do to help him. But um, ultimately, Norton still has to, you know, he still has got to hold his own because they're not going to be able to chip and max protect on every play. Like it's going to be 12 to 15 times in this game where Norton's going to have help. And, you know, there's going to be 50 plays in this game where he's going to be on an island with uh, Max Crosby. Sounds good. Alex, any offensive line? I am, you want to <laughs> please <continue>? move on. <laughs> One day we'll get you to, to like talking about the offensive line, Alex. Never. Jamar Chase was the right pick. He won rookie of the month. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, all right. Let's talk about this injury updates. Um, of course, you know, we could start with the offensive lineman, but I want to start with Chris Harris Jr. Um, he has returned to practice in a limited fashion. Um, there was a, a report initially by James Palmer of NFL Network that he was expecting to hear that or expecting to see Chris Harris back the following week against the Cleveland Browns, but it looks like he is trending back too. Um, so Tyler, you kind of already mentioned this, but Alex, what are you expecting from Chris Harris slash his backups? Uh, if Harris is able to play in this game or is not able to play in this game. Yeah, I feel like it's a very, he's either kind of going to be full go or he's going to be no go. Um, I don't really feel like his shoulder injury is kind of a work him back type of thing. But if they do feel like it is, then based on what I saw last week, I feel very comfortable playing Tavon Campbell, you know, uh, you know, more snaps than he usually gets with Chris Harris there. Um, and I feel, you know, just kind of more comfortable with this secondary as a whole, plus getting Harris back for, you know, whatever they think they can use him for coming off of that shoulder injury. So uh, I think that having him back is a huge advantage um, just in terms of how this, you know, has been going. And, you know, like he said, I think he is a very short tackler and that's something that is very important to have in the run defense and something yeah. that the Chargers have, have lacked, uh, you know, as much as we talk about the defensive line and linebackers and and their responsibility in it. Um, and the other name is obviously Justin Jones, who's who's practicing again. And so I'm excited to see him back. Hope he makes it through a full game um, and, and doesn't get another cramp situation because I think the Chargers really do need him for a full four yeah. quarters. And that's kind of going to be uh, what, what I want to see in this game, right? Because we really saw that growth as a pass rusher in, in week one and then just kind of were robbed of it ever since. So if you combine that with his run game, I really feel like that's kind of the piece that the Chargers are are missing on the um, defensive line right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris Harris Jr. I think makes the defense a better tackling defense and a smarter defense, but it does not make them a more athletic defense if you're taking out right. Tavon Campbell. And I'm very curious to see how they will manage a Darren Waller, a Henry Ruggs. And it's, I, I, they're not the same like duo, but it's kind of like Hill and Kelsey. And last year, Michael Davis covered uh, Darren Waller for 47 snaps, gave up seven catches, 125 yards and a touchdown, six first downs, which sounds like a lot. That's over two games. And one was on a pretty long touchdown grab. So yeah. in general, he played pretty well against him. But so I'm really curious to see how they mix and match because me personally, you know, Chris Harris Jr. has commented on me critiquing him before. 
So maybe I'm wrong <laughs> about him, but uh, watching him in camp, he's just a little bit slower. Not quite, you know, a, a premier athlete. Campbell's the guy that can run that four three. He's the only other guy, the only yeah. other deep corner on the team who's like Michael Davis. Um, so I don't know. I kind of rather Campbell be out there if you're trying to mix and match between Rugs and Waller, but at the same time, I kind of want Harris Jr., who makes the whole defense smarter, I think, and also is a better tackler. So it'll be interesting to see how they mix those two guys, especially with Harris Jr. coming back from injury. Yeah, I think you you definitely want to mix them, in my opinion, because I think the athleticism that Tavon Campbell brings and suddenly the playmaking ability, right? Like mm-hmm. he in a very short amount of time, he's caused a lot of turnovers for this team. Um, obviously at the pick six against Flacco, the two forced fumbles potentially last week. I still think Monsieur Adderley gets one of them, but um, that's a different conversation, I guess. So I, I think you kind of mix and match them. Right. And you know, the other aspect here is that um, Chris Harris has been taking snaps at safety up until mm-hmm. you know, at least in the first game too. So, you know, that kind of takes a low. He Gilman off the field, who surprisingly has been very, very playing very, very well. Um, so it is going to be interesting to see what happens when Harris is back, because to me, you're taking out better athletes as you know, for more experience and for a higher football IQ. Um, but I think this is a game that you can, you know, kind of get away with that because, you know, the decision to start Tavon Campbell was primarily from an athletic standpoint because Tyreek right. Hill plays in the slot so much. So does Miko Hardman. And then this game you have Hunter Renfro. So Hunter Renfro is one of the better slot receivers in the league, but he wins with route running. He wins mm-hmm. with being smart. He doesn't really, I mean, he's not an athlete. Like I think that's a fair thing to say. So <laughs> I think this is a, is a game where you relatively, you know, relative to skill, of course, right? Like, you know, he's not. He's what I thought Nick Neiman was going to look like. <laughs> <laughs> he's a gritty, hard-nosed kind of guy. Blue collar, yes, yeah. yes. There we go. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so I think this is a game where you want to see Chris Harris playing well. And, you know, one of the things that I'd be interested to is, is to see him get involved in the uh, blitzing side of things as well. So mm-hmm. um, I think I lean more towards Justin Jones playing in this game than Chris Harris. I agree. Um, just based off of what James Palmer said. Um, but I think Justin Jones is obviously, a, you know, a very important piece this week. So the other thing to talk about really from Brandon Staley's uh, press conference today is that apparently Brian Bulaga had a minor back surgery or procedure or whatever happened. Um, I don't really know. Like, it it seemed like Brandon Staley was like caught off guard that there was a follow-up question there. Maybe he was not supposed to kind of let that information leak. Um, I wish that we could have got a real clarification because was this like a pain shot? Was this like uh, he had a hernia? Like, where are we at with this surgery and how severe is it? Um, but, you know, at this point, me personally, I'm looking at Brian Balaga. Like, we're not going to see him back on the field until I see otherwise. Like, I'm not expecting him back anytime soon. I think that's how everybody should think about it. Maybe that's just me. But I'm not expecting Brian Balaga to be out there until I see it happen. Yeah, I, when it first got announced that he got put on IR, I sort of immediately got like Mike Pouncey vibes from it where it's like, oh, he'll be back. And then he's not back. Um, That's just how it really felt the whole way. And then you got a back procedure in the mix. Um, You know, obviously a little bit similar to Mike Pouncey's hip procedure that he had. Um, So I don't know, like, you know, I think we're just at the point in the season where if Brian Belaga comes back, great. 
Uh, I don't think we can expect it, though. And to be totally honest, I think Brian Balaga has put on a Chargers jersey for the last time. That's so dramatic. I think he'll be okay. It's a very interesting situation these last couple of injuries. I feel like fans last year were very, very frustrated with Anthony Lynn and Trey Turner, where it's like, oh, he has a foot injury, and then Turner was out for like eight games. It's like everyone's freaking out about Anthony Lynn, and like, you're so dumb. You don't know what's going on with your team, or you're lying. No one's really done that with Staley yet, but I'm waiting. Maybe if they were starting to lose. Some people uh, are starting to do that already. Are they? Okay. Yeah. Well, then maybe I've, I blocked them. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but, yes, you could tell, like, Staley was – I was going to comment this and just tweet it out before I even heard about the Balaga thing. He, he, I swear he was the happiest I've ever seen him to start that press conference. He was joyful. He was just smiling, and everything was good. As soon as someone brought up Brian Balaga – his whole demeanor changed. Ah. He was like looking down, like he wasn't even looking out at everybody anymore. He was just kind of sour faced. And then clearly, yes, it did seem like he got caught off guard or that he spilled something that he shouldn't because it was like he had a procedure and the question and the person was like, well, he had surgery. And he's like, yeah, he had a, he had a thing done. Like, I know okay, it was like, like there's so much variance here. Like, yeah, this is this a one Brandon Stanley <laughs> right. or is this a 10? Like, how worried should we be for Brian Balaga's health right now? Right, right. No, it was, it was so confusing. So, they, like, today is the day that I got the Mike Pouncey vibes where it's like, yeah. um, what are we expecting here? So, I think he'll come back unless something got way, way, way worse. But I think he'll come back. I don't think it's like a last time sort of thing. And frankly, you know, get him out there. Like, Storm Norton ain't that great. So, get him on out there for a few reps. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not looking good. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's the fact that it's the back injury and now he's had a back surgery. Like, if it was, okay, he has a concussion, he has a groin injury, like, you know, whatever, like, he'll he'll come back from that. But having a back procedure, and I mean, Stephen can speak to this better than I can on some level, like, just as an offensive lineman, like, I can't imagine that that's helpful. <laughs> like, it's probably, like, the worst procedure you can get as an offensive lineman just because of, like, how you have to hold the leverage and and how important your back is to like your whole game, like in trying to hold leverage against an opposing defensive lineman. So like, you know, at least from that aspect, that is kind of what I struggle with. Obviously also the fact that Brian Belag is a little bit older, um, you know, so that's, that's sort of the vibes I get from it, but obviously anything can change. Maybe Brian Belag is back next week and we talk about it like it's nothing, but um, as of now, I have, very little confidence he plays again this season yeah and a lot of that too depends on where the chargers are at too right because if they're in the yeah. playoff hunt and brian blog is healthy then like yeah sign him up but if the chargers are out of the playoffs and he's ready in november then there's no point like you continue to evaluate storm norton uh hopefully he's able to stay healthy and you know you see what you can have there as you know it pertains to the injury to me if you're a tackle the first worst injury you could have is on the inside ankle like because that's the one where you're really driving off of the ball with Mm -hmm. your inside foot so for a right tackle it would be your left foot left tackle a right foot the second worst injury is a back man like because the you know just for a normal human being like back injuries are so painful and when you're a 300 pound man 315 i think brian blaga is like that is it's just so painful you can't bend over you can't you know straighten your back you can't you know 
explode off the ball. Like it's 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 a bad spot to be in. And he had a back injury last year. Now he has mm-hmm. a back injury this year, and now back surgery, potentially not major that serious, but still, like you know, procedure is a procedure. So mm-hmm. it's a tough situation um, for him to be in and for the Chargers to be in. Um, Staley did also comment today that it seems like the plan now, if Storm Norton does go down, is to kick Matt Filer to right tackle and put Michael Schofield at left guard. So uh, he didn't made a point to emphasize that that's not a slight on Brennan Hymas. They just prefer to have that veteran presence that Schofield brings to left guard. I think that's in part because they have a rookie left tackle and they don't really want to have two rookies on one side. Um, but that was, uh, you know, kind of a shift from what we have heard previously because they didn't really want to move Filer mm-hmm. because they wanted him next to Slater. At least that was my impression when then asked about it uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but now it seems like the plan is to move Filer. That That is the next chess piece to move if Storm Norton goes down. I also think that we sort of have to talk about the Balaga thing. You know, uh, we talked about sort of developing Norton, right? Like if the season does go bad, you, you sort of have to see what you have in him. Like yeah. Brian Balaga knows more than likely that he's being cut next year. Um, and yeah. so I think yeah. going into another free agency at 33 years old, there's potentially an incentive for him to, you know, if, if the back injury is serious enough, sit the rest of the year and then kind of go from there in terms of, you know, the longevity of his football career. So I think that's kind of part of it too. Are you surprised even that, you know, Pipkins is basically right tackle number four on this depth chart? I mean, uh, kind of, because I, I would have assumed that Tom Telesco would have tried to like, but in there and be like, hey, like this is a legacy pick for me. Like, let's play this guy. <laughs> um, it really, it like it. I mean, not like yeah. that much, but it, like he's somebody who really stuck his neck out for Pipkins, and so I mean, mm-hmm. he's not been great. It's been fun, I guess, to see him be used as that extra offensive lineman and get him some reps. They're not really like super useful reps most of the time. Like I said, it's a lot of like max protect and run blocking. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's fun, I guess. I would almost rather see Scott Questenberry out there because I know that he'll do a job or even Brendan Hymas <laughs> or Michael Schofield. But, you know, not really. Like, it's – a lot of people kind of speculated that, like, Michael Schofield would be the right tackle. Um, but now we have our answer. If anything happens to Norton, mm-hmm. or I would assume Rashawn Slater, God forbid, knock on wood, um, Filer is the chess piece. Filer is the one who's going to be moving to a tackle spot if one of them gets hurt. I think I can judge how well Rashawn Slater is doing just by the sheer terror in my heart that I just felt. You mentioned <laughs> that he could something could potentially happen to him. So oh, that's God. when you know you have a really good rookie because God, I felt awful thinking of that. I know. And I like you hate saying those things, but like knock on wood profusely right now. Um, all right. Any other key injuries, guys? I think everybody else is relatively healthy. I know some people were concerned uh about Justin Herbert's hand after it got uh hit by a helmet, I think is what Brandon Staley said. Um, but he appears to be fine. Brandon Staley said that God has blessed him with big hands, which was kind of funny. <laughs> you know where he's going. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness. Um, but it seems like everybody else is healthy for, for the moment, which is good because you want to mm-hmm. see people at their best in this kind of game. How did Joey Bosa go from grabbing his ankle in the first quarter to I'm fine? Yeah, I don't know what happened. All of a sudden he's like, yeah, it got better this week. I have no idea how. Yeah, that, that's an odd one because he he got rolled up on like early in the first quarter too, 
And mm-hmm. I was like, oh no, like he's going to be out. And then he stayed in the game and had one of the best games of his <laughs> career. <laughs> as, as one does. These NFL players, man, they're just, they're just different. <laughs> oh, I like the, he, he likes that adrenaline. I mean, can't blame him. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's uh, move on to these key matchups and X factors. I think to me, we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, one of the things that I am looking forward to in terms of key matchups this week, uh, it has to be Keenan Allen against Casey Hayward. You know, mm-hmm. we get to see the two old friends, best buds go at it. Um, I know there have been some people talk about Casey Hayward, like the Chargers should have kept him. Uh, I think with the way Asante Samuel Jr. has been playing, we should not be having that conversation. Um, but Casey Hayward, it looks very pretty on paper right now. He's allowing... He's only allowed three catches. He's made some really good tackles in space, but he's also not really been tested like at all. Like mm-hmm. the Pittsburgh Steelers, Miami Dolphins, and Baltimore Ravens are three of the worst passing offenses in the league. So we're going to see if this Casey Hayward resurgence is legit on Monday or if it's not. I expect him to make, you know, an impact play or so just because of, like Alex was saying, the adrenaline. Like he's playing his old team, he's playing his old friends. We saw Chris Harris have a great game against the Broncos last year. There's just some extra juice there for Casey Hayward. But ultimately, I expect Keenan Allen to also show out. I expect Mike Williams to show out against him too. Um, So I guess, you know, on a larger level, this is Chargers receivers against Raiders cornerbacks. But on a very small level, I'm just really, really excited to see Keenan Allen go up against Casey Hayward again uh, and reignite, you know, those uh, old training camp videos. Who's the other guy next to Casey Hayward? Is is it Mullen? Yeah, or opposite? So Trayvon, Trayvon Mullen is the outside corner, and then Nate Hobbs, the rookie, uh, is their slot corner. Nate Hobbs is also doing pretty well, at mm-hmm. least you know according to Pro Football Focus. Well, good luck with, uh, covering Mike Williams. I, was, <laughs> I recorded a breakdown with the wrong microphone on, but by gosh, that guy looks really good, and he's going to destroy whoever the second corner is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me... To take the opposite side of that, I'm going to say Chargers secondary against Raiders weapons, right? We sort of already brought it up with Darren Waller and Henry Ruggs kind of being a similar thing to Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. So I'll be kind of very curious to see who they put on who and when, right? Because I do think Michael Davis will probably have some snaps on both. Um, And I think you'll see Derwin James kind of all over the field, but also on Darren Waller like he was on some 
one-on-ones with uh, Travis Kelsey last week. And I'm curious to see how the Chargers play it, right? Because against the Chiefs, they, um, you know, they sort of pretty much just sat everybody back and were like, hey, we're just going to defend the deep ball, right? We'll let them have the intermediate if they get the intermediate in this play. But it's better to have a nine-yard Travis Kelsey pass than a 19-yard Tyree Kill pass, right? And I think that that's really how they sort of played it. Um, but the Raiders are different than the Chiefs, right, in terms of their passing offense, right? Obviously, sort of their running backs um, and, and just their whole team as a whole is not as clean of a passing team uh, as the Chiefs are and you know don't have one of the greatest offensive minds uh, who's ever lived to coach their offense. So, you know, I think yeah. that that's something, too. But, um, yeah, I so... I think that that's what this game really comes down to is how much they can limit Darren Waller, how much they can limit Henry Ruggs um, and so, sort of some of the supplementary guys that we talked about, like Hunter Renfro. So uh, I think this is a big Michael Davis, Derwin James, Asante Samuel Jr. game. Uh, I'd like to see Tavon Campbell out there if possible, especially for you know some of the faster guys on this Raiders team. Uh, Brian Edwards also had like a fantastic end to the game on week one for people who watched uh, Monday Night Football that week. So like, I think he's sort of the under the radar guy if he can still be that at this point. So to me, uh, I think that this Raiders team is not as deep as the Chiefs by any means, but it's also not a wide receiver uh, running back, you know, tight end kind of group that is to be overlooked. Yeah, certainly not at all. And while I don't think of this Raiders receiving core as all of that great, obviously Darren Waller's a game breaker, but Gruden can get these guys open. And I want to, I'm really interested to see how they play that sort of I spy with Henry Ruggs and communicate as he moves around. Even though Waller is kind of like the hammer of the offense and he's going to be the one that breaks the defense, Ruggs can also be a game breaker. We've seen him, I mean, yeah. because the Jets are stupid, but they broke, <laughs> you know, they he broke up in that game against the Jets. Um, I believe he scored the game-winning touchdown or at least a, kind of like a game-sealing touchdown against the Steelers this year. Uh, last week, the Raiders motioned at Ruggs, I believe, behind the line of scrimmage, and he, he ran a wheel route in like the second quarter, and they couldn't connect. But later in the game, they went right back to it in that same look, um, I think in overtime, and it was, it was huge for them. Um, as Stephen pointed out, Derek Carr leads the league in explosive passing plays, and Ruggs is part of that. So, you know, try to put a roof on it. Um, then you yeah. see like Hunter Renfro has this quadruple move thing in the red zone now. <laughs> I guess like all the white slot receivers are coming up with new shit to do um, because Cooper Cup apparently has new moves. Renfro's got this new thing. Yeah. Raiders love that whip concept. So I'd love to see them just kind of, you know, buckle down and handle business there. Uh, my matchup is going to be, my key matchup is going to be Joey Bosa versus Alex Leatherwood. And I think this is potentially the worst matchup for Alex Leatherwood, a guy who's already struggling right now with four penalties Three sacks allowed, five hits, 13 pressures. Does not look really good. And now, he, personally, the weaknesses for, for Leatherwood, to me, in college, were effort and reacting to counters. And Joey Bosa is going to destroy him on both fronts. And with, I'm going to talk about my X Factor in a little bit, with maybe not a whole lot of help on the other side, this is a really, really key matchup because he has to get to Carr to help win this game. Which is, duh, Joey Bosa has to get to the quarterback. But right. I really think like this matchup is really important. And hopefully... It's not like a, you know, not a get right game, but sort of a get right game for Leatherwood. I hope it's not like a steal situation where, oh, suddenly the Dallas Cowboys had this guy that they've never really even played before. He plays amazing versus Bosa. Hopefully it's not like that. Bosa needs to have a good game and continue to 
continue that performance that he had last week. Yeah, to Alex's point about the receivers, um, you know, I interviewed um, Raiders insider Vinny Bonsignor, which uh, if you're watching this, um, that is a audio only episode. So please go check that out. Um, but one of the things that Vinny talked about is that the Raiders game plan has appeared to be like in the first half, you take all the Renfro and Waller targets, intermediate, short range. And then in the fourth quarter, you like start opening up with Ruggs and Edwards. So one of the things that he was pointing out is that it could be interesting as if to watch if that continues or if that's something that they decide to potentially do the opposite, where you go to Ruggs and Edwards deep early, and then that kind of opens things up for Renfro and Ruggs, which is is kind of, you know, the, the more common philosophy in terms of like going deep early and then, you know, going to your key playmakers intermediate range later, um, which is just interesting. And, and, you know, Joey Bosa, like, it's been a little up and down, right? Like, I think you're going against Sam Cosme, who's a rookie, um, albeit playing well, apparently. Um, you know, Terrence Steele and Lucas Niang, like Bosa has played really fantastic. He, he's put up some really good production. And then in week two, like the Cowboys really, like they went, you know, they made it their business to make sure that Joey Bosa was not going to beat them. And, you know, whether that was quick passing game or, you know, chipping, double teaming, you know, running at him as opposed to away from him, which I think is a good way for teams to neutralize players. Like the one thing I know about Alex Leatherwood is that he's going to, you know, at least try to block his ass off in the run game. Like he's, he is a good run blocker. Mm -hmm. So potentially that's, you know, something to keep an eye on if they do have Josh Jacobs, if they're running him at Joey Bosa, as opposed to away from him. Um, But Bosa does need to play well in this game. I agree because Derek Carr, against pressure right like most quarterbacks are worse under pressure but Derek Carr specifically is much worse under pressure he's got two interceptions on the year both of them came when he was under pressure so uh, Hmm. this is a big game for Bosa and a big game for the rest of the defensive pass rushers as well um all right Tyler wait yeah Tyler let's uh let's hear your x factor of the day perfect so I wanted to get right into this then my x factor is going to be a tenor and Wosu because Granted, he has played fewer snaps than Ingram has, but Ingram has 12 pressures, while Mosu, in fact, will have nine total. And I don't think Mosu's played poorly by any means, but it's time for him to earn that second contract. I feel like, yeah. you know, when you watch Ingram against the Raiders, I think Ingram had 15 or 16 pressures and two sacks the last three times he played the Raiders. They need someone to go terrorize Miller on the other side. You know, Mosu won't have to really, you know, play contain on any quarterback scrambles this week because Carr does not run. So, you know, in those opportunities to rush the passer, pin your ear back, ears back and go. And they need somebody else opposite Bosa to get the pressure here because Miller is fine. I, I'm not, I don't know how well he's playing right now. I'm sure he's playing just fine. But Ingram was always the guy that terrorized him. And now, and Wosu or Fackrell have to step up. So they're my X factors for this game. Yeah, so just really quick before Alex jumps in with his, uh, Colton Miller has allowed eight pressures and only one hit. So um, okay. quite a different uh, contrast between Miller and Alex Leatherwood <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say my X factor is going to be Josh Jacobs. Uh, Steven brought him up a little bit and whether or not he plays in this game, particularly I think where he's most dangerous is the red zone because he gives the Raiders that true option. Um, You sort of look at the week one game against Baltimore. 
10 carries for 34 yards does not look very impressive but keep in mind like he's doing he was basically doing that on one foot um pretty much the entire game like every time they panned to the sidelines they were like trying to figure out how to get him out to play um and he still had two red zone touchdowns in that game right so like he is still a threat um i think and makes the raiders that more dangerous in the red zone than they otherwise are right because you know not to really soil the name of Kenyon drake or peyton barber they're both fine i like them but you know they're They're not guys that are you know going to scare you in the red zone as opposed to like hey we'll make the decision to double cover waller on this player or we'll make the decision to double cover somebody else or you know just basically you know uh you know cover the roof and all that right so i think that whether josh jacobs plays is pretty huge in terms of the red zone defense this game for the Chargers because I can definitely see him giving them problems, um, you know, and if the Raiders do have a bit of a better blocking game, I feel like we could kind of be in for the Josh Jacobs game against the Raiders, which is, you know, pretty much not, I mean, they did play him outside of the opponent's 25, but they really gave him that extra responsibility inside there and kind of let Kenya Drake take the stress off of him the rest of the game so that is something that uh does concern me and is an x factor in terms of uh their red zone preparation well, i think that's absolutely the right call because uh, you know you want to have a well-rounded offense and right now the raiders don't really run the ball effectively so having jacobs and a, having a healthy jacobs is going to give them you know that many more options like you were saying specifically in the red zone so uh, i was debating for my x factor between two players um, there are two players that I've kind of talked about a lot, so I don't like. I, I'm still kind of trying to figure out who I want to talk about. Um, briefly, I'll say Jalen Guyton is an X factor this week in that because uh, we all know how Gus Bradley likes to have linebackers <laughs> against slot receivers. So uh, you know, I said at week one that potentially, or you know, week two against the cover three, that this could be a Jalen Guyton game. I think you know, I, I don't want to say that again, but. Uh, we might see Jalen Guyton a matchup against Denzel Perryman or Corey Littleton. Uh, and I'm just saying, you know, this could be a Jalen Guyton week. Um, instead, though, I'm going to focus in on Nasir Adderley because similar to mm-hmm. similar like logic of thinking as Alex picking Josh Jacobs, you know, Nasir Adderley is getting a ton of action as a tackler. If Josh, Josh Jacobs is playing, like he's going to have to do what he did against Clyde Edwards Alaire step up in the run game and he had that awesome hit against Clyde Edwards Alaire. Um I think that he happened to force that second fumble. Um you know it did look like on camera that it was Campbell. I happen to think it was Nasir Adderley based off of what I saw on film. Um and so Adderley's gonna have a ton of action this week against Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. And last year in this game was a game where we saw you know some missed tackles leading to big plays missed tackles leading to some touchdowns and you know we saw him kind of struggle against philip Lindsay in space against the broncos mm. so we need to continue to see this ascent from this year adderley that we are i told tyler and alex earlier this week that i felt like this past game was adderley's best game as a pro um so i think this potential breakout that we've all been waiting for from this year adderley is happening but it needs to continue to happen. Like he can't go back to week one this year, Adderley who missed a tackle against Antonio Gibson, who, you know, had a poor coverage against Logan Thomas. So if we continue to see good this year, Adderley, then the chargers should be in a good spot this game because 
Lord knows he's going to have an active night against Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs potentially. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that he's having a good game. I think you know some people were kind of worried after that first game, but if, if he's bouncing right. back and he looks really good, I'm really happy. I didn't realize how many tackles he had. I think it was either eight solo and 10 total or either that way, eight solo or eight total, whatever. But it was surprising to see that he had that many and just him coming downhill, saving plays. Like even if even, yeah, I think his average depth of tackle is like 12 yards. But the fact that he's saving those plays from being something bigger when the floodgates open and the it's him versus running back and he's the guy who saves the play from being a huge gain, big stuff from him. Really, really proud of him so far. Uh, so really quickly, he actually leads this team in tackles with 20, which I did Impressive. not really know. I mean, it makes sense considering how awful the runs and run defense is. <laughs> but he has right. 15 solo tackles right now, which wow. he's he's making these tackles in space. Like they're difficult mm-hmm. tackles and he's doing a great job with them. So we need to keep seeing that happen, especially this week. Yeah, I'm proud of Nasir Adderley, the uh, only good Philadelphia safety left. <laughs> Who are the other Philadelphia safeties? Oh, no, I was just talking about the Eagles because they're all fucking injured. <laughs> oh, <laughs> gotcha. Oh, yeah, that was a rough day on Monday. Um, all right. Any other X factors or key matchups that you guys are focusing in on this weekend? Pretty no, much it. It's about it for me. All right. Let's get to these uh, bolt predictions. Then we'll have our league picks and final score uh, predictions as well. Um, Alex, I'll let you kick this segment off. What is your bolt prediction for this week? Uh, I think my bolt prediction for this week, uh, I'm going to say Keenan Allen ends the Casey Hayward, uh, you know, ascension this year pretty definitively. Uh, I'm going to say two touchdowns, uh, 12 receptions, 130 yards. Whoo! I love that. That is that is bold. I really like that. And uh, that definitely would end some Casey Hayward resurgence talk, man. Uh, <laughs> well done. I think for my bold prediction this game, um, let's see. I'm going to say we get a Drew Tranquil forced turnover and a Drew Tranquil sack. So hmm. like like full sack, like not a, not a half sack that he shares with somebody else. And no so Lance think, Armstrongs. Yeah, no Lance Armstrongs. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> gosh. <laughs> Boom, broke the podcast. I'm out. <laughs> oh my gosh, my face is so red. <laughs> oh yeah. <man>. Chaos. <laughs> well done, man. Well done. Um, yeah, Drew Tranquil, big game coming. That's my bold prediction. Nice. Uh, well, it sounds like uh, Keenan Allen's going to be killing Casey Hayward. So my bold prediction is actually going to be the other stuff. I think the Chargers are going to have three 50-plus yard pass plays, one to Williams, one to Guyton, and one with Eckler on a 50-plus yard screen. There we go. I like it. Big games all around. I think this uh, Raiders secondary is in a very bad spot this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. Um, good week two, and here we are. <laughs> true very true at least you're not predicting a 20 point win this time <laughs> not yet you didn't ask me yet okay all right um all right let's get to some league picks right now uh i'm in a bad spot with the league picks <laughs> thankfully uh it is my turn to go first this week um so let's get started i think um my two outright wins that i'm gonna go with this weekend uh i'm gonna take the 
New Orleans Saints over the New York Giants. I've picked the Saints last week. Uh, don't care about picking them this week. I think the Giants are in a terrible spot. Already talking about firing the entire coaching staff and the GM up in New York. So that's lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my second pick is going to be the Los Angeles Rams over the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals have never beaten the Rams under Cliff Kingsbury's tenure. Um, and I think this is just kind of a coaching clinic from Sean McVay. Um, and then upset of the week, I'm going to take the Carolina Panthers over the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, that's a good one. I think the Cowboys have had some two very emotional games, two very high-charged games. Um, and the Panthers are undefeated, but I still think that emotionally that would be kind of a, a letdown game. Um, and I do think the Carolina Panthers have a very solid defense. They have a defensive line that can really get after Dak Prescott with Derek Brown, uh, Brian Burns, and um, the guy who Hassan Reddick. So I think this is a good spot for the Carolina Panthers, even without Christian McCaffrey. So they are my upset pick of the week. Um, let's go. Who was? I was. I was last, last week. You were last last week. Yeah, it should be so time. Go, time should go. Yeah. Seven. All right, Tyler, go ahead. Fantastic. Well, I'll take the Bills over the Texans in a really close one for sure. Oh yeah, uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, and then I'm going to take the Chiefs over the Eagles because I picked the Eagles last time, and that really freaking didn't work. So I hope <laughs> the Chiefs absolutely destroy the Eagles because they deserve it after just blowing it against the Cowboys. And then for my upset pick, I'm going to take the Lions over the Bears. I think Ooh. the Bears are a weird mess right now. It is very possible Fields get it gets it you know figured out. I believe there's rumblings about play calling changes. But I do believe the Lions, like they were so close. They almost beat the Ravens. It took a 66-yard field goal doink for the Ravens to win. And I believe there's something about a delay of game penalty that wasn't called. So I'm going to take the Lions over the Bears because, sure. I mean, they are they have been more competitive than I think anyone would have thought. So, yes, um, the Bears are awful right now. Um, <laughs> all right, Alex, go ahead, man. Yeah, um, I actually haven't looked at the lines for any of these games, so correct me if I'm wrong on something. But I don't think I'm wrong on this one. The Packers are probably heavily favored over the Steelers. Uh, I'm going to take yeah. them. Uh, big Ben's got a big old noodle arm right now, so I feel pretty comfortable taking the Packers. Um, I think the next game mm-hmm. I'm going to take... Oof. Tough one this week. Uh I will take, I assume the Browns are favored over the Vikings. Yeah, by two. All right. I will take the Browns over the Vikings. I just don't think the Vikings have looked very good defensively and feel like the Browns can kind of give them a lot of problems. And let me know the line for that Washington-Atlanta game. Uh, The Washington football team is favored by one and a half. Fuck. That was going to be my upset. (laughs) All right. Well, you got some ideas. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, uh, what's the Colts Dolphins line? Uh, Miami is favored by one and a half. I <sighs> can't believe I'm going to do this, but give me Carson Wentz and the Colts. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. Just really quickly, uh, Quentin Nelson is not playing, so uh, have fun with Uh-oh. that. Uh oh. Yeah, but. J- Jacoby Brissett isn't playing either, and he throws three-yard balls to the point where <laughs> Jalen oh, Wallace is, is two a back. No, he's on IR. Oh, okay. you said Brissett. You mind. said Brissett was not playing. 
No, no, no. I said Brissett's flying. I don't know. Oh, what I'm okay. saying. I, I don't know. <laughs> but Brissett's flying. Is, yeah. The point is, you're yeah. you're sticking with the Colts. Yeah, I'm sticking with the Colts. Uh, I was really depressed when I went to the Rookie of the Year voting and I saw Jalen Waddell have 12 Ugh. receptions for 58 yards. It's so disgusting. gross, man. So That's a disgusting <laughs> so offense. Gross. Yeah. As much as I would like the Colts to get the number one pick and and play Wentz seventy percent of the snaps, that would be awesome. Uh, I I think they get a win this week. Hmm. Yeah. So okay, I got to ask you guys then. No one took Bucks Patriots in, in either way, either the Bucks to to win or the Patriots to upset. Why do you guys feel about that game? That game fucking sucks and is stupid, all right? <laughs> Brady and okay. Belichick both don't fucking care about any of this shit. And they've constantly said yeah. that. And the media is just like, oh, this is Brady and Belichick. Like, I saw something on Twitter where Brady was like, yeah, I didn't watch Mac Jones. And people tried to, like, turn that into a thing. I'm like, yeah, he probably didn't watch Mac Jones because he doesn't fucking care. He doesn't <laughs> like, have time. I, if, if I was Tom Brady, I wouldn't watch Mac Jones either. Like... It's just like yeah. people are trying to turn it into such great A material. It's like, no, they both don't care and they don't like each other. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but who do you think is going to win, Alex? <laughs> oh, uh, Tampa. New England yeah. sucks. I don't think New England's very good. So I, I don't know. Like when I look at these picks, like I, I definitely take into the point considerations and I probably should start taking things like the, the Buccaneers over the Patriots and the uh, whoever's playing the Texans. But I don't yeah. know. That's just kind of boring to me. But. It is what it is. Um, it could be like a sneaky line game. Like I feel like the Patriots could make it a game, but I do, I, I do expect the Patriot, the Buccaneers to win. Like they're just they're so much better at every single position, except for maybe like left tackle. Sweet. Yeah, <laughs> off the top of my head. Oh yeah, but I I really want the Patriots to win. Man, that's so much more juicy for the media and for the hot <laughs> takes and everything. Like that's way more fun on Monday morning. Oh God, Fuck Boston. You- <laughs> well then there's that that too but can you imagine people's reaction like colin cowherd talking about like a mac jones outplaying oh, tom brady game man. no i don't want to watch ever colin cowherd and ever think about him so i hope whatever the opposite of what he wants to happen happens <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough all right let's get to the, our chargers and raiders predictions um i'm gonna kick this one actually i kicked the last one off um alex you kick us off what are you predicting for the score on monday night football uh i think the chargers win this one uh i think it'll be relatively close within a score but i will take the chargers by the same margin they beat the chiefs by i will take 30 to 24 um i think that that just kind of feels right for this game um, I can definitely see this being like a last second field goal kind of a game uh, that, that wouldn't shock me either way. Definitely think it'll be close down the wire. I just don't know what to really think of the Raiders right now. I think they're good offensively, but like Steven said, it's hard to take their secondary particularly seriously because they played the Ravens who kind of passing wise look like a mess right now. They played the Steelers, who passing-wise look like a mess right now. And, you know, we just talked about Miami. Um, So I feel like this is the first game where they're really going to be tested. And as much as Gus Bradley would like a revenge game, can't believe we didn't really bring him up much today. But uh, I do think that this is the kind of game where he doesn't really have anything to bring to the table because the Chargers have almost completely changed up their offense. So... You know, it's not really yep. a game where he can kind of, you know, really make a difference in that way, at least. So 
I feel pretty confident in taking the Chargers 30 to 24. Obviously, there are sort of things outside of the game, like the, you know, fan attendance and, you know, maybe that swings things, right? We obviously remember the infamous kind of StubHub game where Philip Rivers couldn't hear his helmet, which is pretty bad. Um, but I think all things considered, even with fan noise, you know, we saw this Chargers team uh, go into uh, Vegas, you know, last year, obviously, uh, and, you know, beat the Raiders. So I think they can do it again here. Uh, I'm not terribly concerned about this game, especially after watching their effort against the Chiefs, because they did make so many mistakes against the Chiefs and still found a way to win. So if they're even slightly cleaner, I feel like they beat this Raiders team 30 to 24. I like it. I'm, I'm very, yeah, I'm very, very close to your score. I think there's something to be said about Brandon Staley years and years ago, over a decade ago. I believe he, during the Super Bowl run for the Saints, he sat in the quarterback rooms with the Saints and learned and helped study their entire offense. That offense stems very closely from John Gruden, Gruden to Peyton to Lombardi and whatever. I think Staley understands in general, maybe not these quadruple routes that Renfro is running, but I do believe he understands this defense or excuse yeah. me, this offense quite a bit, even though Gruden has been a pretty solid play caller so far this year. I think he really has a good feel for this offense. And I think the chargers also have Joe Lombardi and this offense, this sort of Saints sort of style passing offense that did very well against Gus Bradley just as recently as last year with Jared cook. So I think they have a really good coaching advantage in this game. That's kind of a given as is, but I do think like they have a good coaching advantage and they understand the limitations of the opposing offense and the opposing defense. So as long as special teams holds up and that is a big question mark right now, I do think the chargers handle this pretty soundly. So I'm going to say chargers 30 Raiders 23. All right. So we're all going to be in similar uh, point differentials. Um, you know, I agree with Alex that I don't really think Gus Bradley makes much of a difference in this game. I know that there were some people who were like, oh, what if he mixes it up? He's Gus fucking Bradley. He has never changed for anybody, <laughs> and he will never change for anybody. So mm -hmm. he's had plenty of opportunities to mix things up and add more blitzes. He doesn't care. He, he doesn't blitz. So, you know, Arjun's stat about Justin Herbert versus cover three yes. is amazing. You know, he essentially is 20 for 20, 20 for 21, excuse me. Like mm -hmm. 160 yards and a touchdown with like an insane EPA rate. So I think that matters. I think the Chargers really have positive matchups across the board that we've talked about, like Mike Williams against corner number two, you know, Keenan Allen against Casey Hayward. You can talk about Austin Eckler and Jalen Guyton against the linebackers, Jared Cook against the linebackers who are not very good in pass coverage. So I just think the Chargers have the better talent at essentially every single position, except mm -hmm. for like. I don't know, like nose tackle, I guess, like defensive tackle. You know, we can talk about Solomon Thomas versus Jerry Tillery if you want. Um, so I just think the Chargers have a significant coaching advantage. I think they have a significant talent advantage. But it is like this is a rivalry game. Like this is a divisional game. Every game that the Raiders play is close. Every game that the Chargers game play is close. There's been a bunch of trash talk on both sides. The Chargers are going to win by two touchdowns. Raiders are going to win by two touchdowns. It's going to be within a touchdown. Like uh, I would guarantee that is is, is the outcome. So uh, I'm taking Chargers as well. Last week we all picked the Chiefs. This week we're all picking the Chargers. I'm going to go 28 to 23 
Um, like I said, I just feel like they have enough advantages across the board, um, but it is going to be a close game. I've actually been wrong every single week because I picked Washington week one and then I picked the Chargers and then I picked the Chiefs. And so <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I finally got a win here. Or Maybe you should we... change your pick right now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should start including the Chargers picks in our bet because then I feel like I'd be doing better. No. Uh, yeah, we should. We actually should because I would have a lead. That's a really good idea, Stephen. <laughs> It's a great you, idea. I think we should add that right now. I think we should. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We 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 shouldn't. It, it's just league picks. We said at the start, so that's how we'll keep it. Um, all right, guys. Any final thoughts before we head out of today's episode? Please, if you are listening and you haven't bought tickets, please show up, man, because it's gonna be me and a bunch of Raiders fans. Like, can you guys show up? Like, everyone's like, oh, there's no fans, and we have more fans, and we can vote for all this stuff. Like, just show up, man. Like. Don't have a cup of coffee once a week for the year. Go buy some tickets. I don't care if you sit in the nosebleeds. Go make some noise. Help me out a little bit. I don't know how many fans are going to be there. It sounds like there won't be many on my side in my section. So um, if you're there, say hi. But please be there if you're not there. Please try to get there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that I really hate this Raiders team and want to win this <laughs> game. Uh, yeah. Just because what Derek Carr looks like because of what John Gruden sounds like. I hate this team with a burning passion more than anyone else in the AFC West. I'm fairly indifferent on the chiefs and the Broncos, but please beat the Raiders. I cannot take one more John Gruden win and him having an undefeated record atop the AFC West after all the shit that I've talked. And I think he's a terrible coach, but please just beat him in this game. Yeah, I, I agree, though, about the rivalry. Like, I, I've never really had an issue with Chiefs fans or their team. Granted, a lot of that is because I really like Alex Smith and Andy Reid as people. Um, so that has definitely helped. And then the Broncos, like, they've never really been that good outside of, like, the two years of Peyton Manning. Like, they just, like, have never really been a threat to me, to, like, to the Chargers. So I agree. I don't like the Raiders very much at all. I uh, remembered the other day that LT and the Chargers rattled off 13 consecutive wins against them in the 2000s like please make that happen again like please like that'd be so much fun to watch um but this has been a great episode guys thank you so much for tuning in thank you alex and tyler for joining me as always for the good work um make sure and check out we've got a bunch of videos and episodes mini episodes for this week i mentioned the Vinny bonsignor interview arjun did a great analytical episode about justin herbert's performance in the clean pocket uh, which is which was a big topic of conversation in the summer. So go check that out. I have a film breakdown up. Tyler has a film breakdown up. So go check those out. And as always, bolt up. <laughs>